0: Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Let me start with the NBA playoffs. I want to start with that buildup. The buildup to last night's Hawks-Knicks game really was amazing, right? We had talked about it, in case you were not here to hear it. We talked about Trey Young going legend in Game 1, and him throwing on the black hat, him going heel, him silencing MSG, and then talking about it afterwards. We hit on all of that. The thing we did not get to that I wanted to get to, and I want to reset right now. In addition to that, you had the mayor, the mayor of New York, complaining about Trey after game one. This topic for one
1: second. This is about basketball. I have an important official announcement. Uh, This is very serious. We want to get this out. Uh, Message to Trey Young uh, on behalf of the people of New York City and, and anyone who cares about actually playing basketball the right way. Stop hunting for fouls, Trey. Uh, I want to quote Steve Nash, one of the, great player, great coach. He says, quote, unquote, that's not basketball. Trey, Trey, that hawk's not going to fly in New York City. Come on. Play the game the right way. See if you can win. I think the Knicks are going to teach you a lesson.
0: I'm sorry. Did you just say that hawk's not going to fly in New York City? That hawk's not going to fly in New York City. Come on. Did dude just really say, that Hawk's not going to fly in New York City? Because if in fact that is what I heard, that might be the single corniest thing I have ever heard. That is corny. But you know you've done something right in your first playoff game when the mayor of New York City is complaining about you. I mean, damn, Mr. Mayor, what's next? Are you going to burn up the call-in lines on FAN? The buildup did not stop there. Not only did the mayor get all corny with it, Derek Rose weighed in.
2: He come in, he played a, a great game, and the crowd's supposed to do that. His reaction supposed to be that way, and it's supposed to amp up and bring the atmosphere, the environment to where it is right now. And I mean, that's what I'm used to. Uh, I've been in series where drinks were thrown on my like, parents, like people's moms, and. Like you on the court and you see your mom get a beer like splashed on like uh, that's the environment I'm used to. And you want to talk shit, talk shit. It's, it's all right. But next game, it, it's going to be tougher. And the environment is going to create a great atmosphere for some great basketball.
0: So that right there is way better than that hawk's not going to fly here. So all of that was after Game 1, prior to Game 2. So the hype could not have been any bigger for Game 2. Game 2 of a 4-5 matchup in the first round. And the bleep Trey Young chants were going on well before that game even started. Again, this guy's played one playoff game in his career. And he beat the Knicks doing it. And the Knicks fans have already lost their bleeping minds. I mean, he's not just in their heads. He's like completely taking control of their bodies. And he's certainly taking control of their brains because some Nick fans were allegedly handing out pamphlets, pamphlets to fans at MSG with a new chant for the night. And that paper read, tonight's chant is, Trey is balding. Trey is balding. Ordinarily, I would say that is the most hack thing ever, but it's not because it gets even worse there was an explanation for why that was going to be the chant of the night. Quote, At only 22 years old, Trey's hair is thinning at an alarmingly fast pace. And he has a bald spot forming on the crown of his head. This will be a much more effective chant to take advantage of home court and throw Trey off his game. End quote. When did New York City go from being like the coolest place in the world to the corniest place on earth? The mayor is complaining about foul calls, and people are allegedly handing out organized chants like it's high school. And by the way, that's the thing you settled on, his hair. This guy just destroyed you in your house in game one, and the best thing you can come up with is that he has jacked lettuce I mean, far be it from me to say don't run smack. I'm not saying that. I would never say that. After all, my handle is Van Smack. But there's a right way and a wrong way, and that attempt was all kinds of wrong. Handing out sheets of paper, instructing your fellow fans to pile on some dude for his hair is pretty much the lamest thing ever. Yeah, I mean, so dude, dude does not have the thickest hair. Most luxurious lettuce ever. The hell is your point? You're going to clown this guy for that. That's what you're going to bring to this throwdown. That's what you're bringing to this fister. Lettuce smack. Printed out and distributed. Lettuce smack. That's what's going down in the most hallowed building in the world. I mean, holy crap, Knicks fan, really? And why do I think that the dopes printing and passing those pages aren't exactly rocking heads of lettuce like Trevor Lawrence or Fabio. Man, you wait all this time for your team to actually return to the postseason. You fight through the entire pandemic to get back into that house. And that's the best you can do. Hair smack. I mean, if that's the best that you can do, do better. Much better. Because you really cannot do any any worse. And wouldn't you know it, Trey hears it. Trey comes out, and Trey immediately gets after it. But an ankle injury, and he never came back at the end of the game. As Young gets up a three and knocks down his first shot of the game. Step back three, and talking into the crowd. This dude's just not going to back down. He's not backing down at all. You can come at this guy with obscenities, complaints from the mayor, hair smack, he's just going to keep lighting you up. And yes, I've seen the video of a fan allegedly spitting on Trey Young. I can't say if that's definitely a loogie flying through the air, but it looks like it's something. And if that's what that is, if that's what that allegedly is, and that really is what happened, then that's reprehensible and it's disgusting and there is no place for it. We already know exactly what that represents. It's one of the worst things you can do. One of the worst things a person can do to another person. Now, I don't know If that's somebody spitting on him or not. I don't know that. I just know it better not be. Because again, if it is, that is the worst. That's not a home court advantage. That's revolting. That's shameful. You can chant bleep Trey Young all you want. You can crack him for his hair. Although it's corny and lame as hell. But if you spit on this guy or anybody, you're a reprehensible scumbag. And should not be allowed back in the building. If that's what happened. I don't know. Back to the game itself. You know the Knicks fans were freaking out when their team went down 15 in the first half. But then in the second half, when Atlanta stuck with the bench for a long time, maybe too long, the Knicks came alive. Reggie Bullock for three. Cross-court Bullock, three-pointer. Bang! Tie game! Wishing Bullock to be a streak shooter. And then... Obi Toppin for Madison Square Garden legend status. Oh,
3: perks the rebound. Knicks have numbers. Alley oop. Alley oop to Toppin. Yeah, and it's here the Garden. All
0: right. So as corny and as weak as everything Knicks fans did before that game, when that building is rocking, there is nothing like it. Nothing like it. Forget the Trey is balding chance. That's the electricity you want. It's undeniable. Twitter nearly broke because of the tweets about the Garden crowd. Everybody was in on it, even LeBron. And then the comeback was about guys like Derek Rose, guys like Taj Gibson battling his ass off in the paint. Randall. Dribbles across the lane, stops, spins, pass inside. Gibson throws it down! Seven-point lead with 140 to play! That was a great second-half comeback. And Atlanta has to be kicking themselves because they had a chance to bury that team. 2-0 going back home. And for all the venom and maybe even some saliva the Knicks fans directed at Trey, it still had no effect. The guys still went for 30 and seven assists in 35 minutes. And he's probably thinking that if he had played a few more minutes, he would have won that game and shut everybody up all over again. And he might be right. The only good thing about last night from an Atlanta standpoint is that it gave this series even more juice. And it means we're definitely going to get Trey back in the garden, and that's a good thing. As for you, Nick fan, man, settle down. I get it. It's new. You have not been in the playoffs with a good shot at advancing in years. It's been a while. There's a lot of nervous, pent up energy. You don't know what to do with yourself. You don't know what to do with the opportunity. Normally, I would say act like you've been there before, but you haven't. Not in a very long time. What you want to do is just get a grip. Get a grip. Get a grip and hold grip. on tight. You know, like Jeff Van Gundy holding on to Alonzo Morning's leg back in the day. Wild stuff at the Garden. 1-800-636-8686. That hawk's not going to fly in New York City. Come Man, on. that is so corny. That hawk's not going to fly in New York City. It is the perfect season for a powerful business upgrade with Dell Technologies Summer Sale Event. Save up to 45% on secure PCs built for business with Windows 10 Pro. You'll also find great savings on Dell servers, monitors, docks, and other accessories to help boost productivity, plus enjoy free shipping on everything. Do more with modern devices and Windows 10 Pro. Call 877-ASK-DELL for a Dell Technologies advisor who can help you find the right tech. That's 877-ASK-DELL for business specials during Dell's Summer Sale Event. Good friend of mine. He is Rex Chapman. Rex, my brother. What's going on, Rex? How are you? Jr. my God. I miss you, man. How's the family? Rex, I miss you Janet too, brother. Boys? They're great, man. I miss you too. They are great. Everybody's good. How about your fam, Rex?
2: All good, bro. I, I got no complaints right now. All right, so Really bring, good to hear from
0: you. Yeah, you too, Rex. Bring me up today. You and I got caught up on my podcast a while back, but for those who listen to this program, it's been a little while now since you've been here. So how is your life right about now? What's going on?
2: All good. Fired up that, uh, you know, seems like the world's getting back to somewhat, you know, uh, uh, on a normal path a little bit. more. We're traveling a little bit more now. I'm uh, vaccinated. I've gotten on the plane a few times. Gone to, oh, saw a few live basketball games, which I hadn't seen in a year. Uh, so excited about that. NBA playoffs are on. And yeah, just started this new pod with, uh, you know, Steve Nash called me a about a year ago about it, ran it by me. Uh, charges, which is really, I did myself first. You know, I'd got, gotten in trouble, as you well know, drug addiction and arrest and all that stuff. And then the next week, uh, you know, I did Meta World Peace, was on with Meta. he came on and, you know, just spilled his guts, it gets kind of emotional. And then we did Ryan Leaf, uh recently, Chris Heron yesterday, uh, got all kinds of people coming up: uh, Jim Lehrer, Bonzi Wells, Doc Gooden. I'm I'm pumped about it. It's really fun.
0: We're talking to Rex Chapman. Rex, I want to make sure that people really understand what you just laid out. So, the new podcast is called Charges. It's actually produced by Steve Nash, and what's going on here is you sit down with athletes and entertainers and you talk about their run-ins with the law, the impact on their careers and their lives. What's really interesting, Rex, about the podcast is the fact that the image for the podcast is <laughs> your mugshot, and the trailer is full of clips from low points in your life. I want to be very clear about this. How did this whole thing come to be?
2: Well, uh, it was- for the, the artwork, for the, the mugshot and all that, they were like, well, you know, we've got some ideas here. What would you think about using your mugshot? I went, that's perfect. That's perfect. That's exactly what we want. We want people to be able to come on. Look, it's a terrible thing, uh, <laughs> especially being arrested, being in trouble. When you're in the public eye, you got, you know, different things to maneuver, th- things to figure out as a young athlete, especially. So uh, I've just what's been great is the people that have come on are really open and you can tell they, they've done a lot of, you know, work on themselves and to get to this point where they can talk freely about really the worst, if not the worst, one of the worst moments in their life. So, uh, I've just been really pleased, uh, with, with the interest. It seems like people have enjoyed listening to it and it, it's kind of cathartic for me to sit down and talk with these guys and, and, and ladies that, you know, I don't know. I know them just because I'm a sports fan, but I don't really know them. It's it's just fun sitting down and listening to their, some of their pain. I learn something almost every episode.
0: Rex Chapman joining us. Rex, you know, I, I'm coming. I don't mean to be in, in any way patronizing. You know that. I mean, I'm really proud of you. Sure. I'm really, really proud Absolutely. of you. Really proud of you and the content and what you're doing with this. You mentioned Chris Heron. The latest episode is yeah. with Chris Herron. Rex, that's a guy that I've had on the program a number of times. I've loved it every single time. He said to you that you're one of the reasons that he picked up a basketball. You <laughs> tweeted, quote, I'm so sad and also so happy that Chris Heron and I didn't <laughs> get a chance to play together. Hey, for those who do not understand, what do you mean by that? Lay that out. What do you mean by that tweet?
2: I, I mean that Chris Heron. You, I can talk to Chris. Uh, first of all, he's friends with you know he's friends with you. You're my friend. He's friends with Steve Nash. He's friends with Jay, Jason Kidd. A lot of people that I played ball with. So we kind of know each other without knowing one another. Everyone has vouched for him uh, with me. So, but what I mean is, Chris was wide open. You know, he he partied and got after it, and I. If, if he and I would have been on the same team, we might have been a bad influence on one another. <laughs> right. So uh, for the, only for that reason.
0: Rex Chapman is joining us. I see you working, Rex. Listen, you. <laughs> if we were to go back a few years, when you first jumped on Twitter, what would you have said back then if I had said to you that you would be one of the kings of Twitter and you would have a huge following and a significant amount of influence?
2: Uh, well, I would have told you were, you were crazy, but I need to go ahead and say this. I remember it like it was yesterday. I want to say, oh, man, I'm gonna, 2011-ish, and you and I were in Lexington, Kentucky, We're riding around looking at horse farms, looking at horses. And you said to me, dude, you need to get on Twitter. And I said, shut up, man. And you said, no, I'm for real. And so I got on Twitter because you suggested it. So it's all
0: on you, buddy. Dude, you don't need to say that. But I I, I just knew, Rex, because like you, dude, you were, I thought you were built for it and you were made for it because you are so funny and so smart and so quick and can communicate like that. I mean, did I know that you would run the damn thing the way you do right now? (laughs) Maybe not, but I knew that you would be great. Like, Rex, what would it have been like, like when you played, if there was in fact social media, if it was around when you played, do you know what that would have been like? Can you imagine?
2: No, I really can't. And, you know, I I give... Big props to these young, especially college kids that are coming up now. I can't imagine, you know, I I heard rumors swirling about me. This was before the internet, and those were, you know, hurtful things that happened back then. About the only guy that I can compare it to would be like Johnny Manziel back in the day, you know, a few years ago. That's kind of what it was like when I was at Kentucky. Just that. That pressure and that microscope—you got the feels like the whole country watching every move you make. Dealing with social media, I could have never done it. I, I would have been a mess. I would have been an absolute mess. We're I don't talking, know how these guys do it.
0: We're talking to Rex Chapman. Rex, what do you make? I'm jumping around right now because there's okay. any number of things I could talk to you about. What do you make of the legalization of sports gambling and how prevalent that's becoming and how that's changing the world right now?
2: Uh, you know, I'm not as I'm not as Current on it as I should be. I do know you can see it. You can see the the leagues. Years in years past, whenever the NBA, whenever it was talked about, a team in Vegas or the NBA, the NBA was very hands off. Didn't want any part to do with that. All of the leagues now, you can see, are sort of they're not coming out and talking about it, but they all know it's it's coming. And you know what, players are going to get a cut. Uh, I I think it probably works out for everybody. It's, it's already, you know, people are gambling anyway. May as well make some money off of it. You
0: bet. Rex Chapman joining us. Rex, no way you come on. And we don't talk about Kentucky hoops. Teams coming uh, off a tough, tough season, right? What do you make of how that played out last year? And Rex, I mean, it seems like like sacrilegious or blasphemous to say, but is Cal under any pressure heading into this season?
2: No, I don't think so. Uh, he shouldn't be. Um, I, You know, Cal took some heat last year, as did Coach K. Um, But I got to stand up for those two guys. Those programs, let's think about it. Those programs are, they've essentially gone to the one-and-done model. And due to the pandemic, you can't get high school kids in right at, like, when I was in high school. I just left school after I graduated and went to Kentucky right away to get a head start, lifting and working out and taking class and all that when you can't get freshmen in like that, who are, your whole team's gone because, you know, everybody went to the NBA. When you can't get freshmen in like that and work with them in the spring and work with them in the summer and then work with them in the preseason, when they just show up on campus uh, in August and you say, all right, we're going to play basketball in two months, they're nothing more than glorified high school players. Glorified high school all-stars. So I think Duke, I think Kentucky really – really uh took the brunt of it this year and maybe unfairly so i look for both of those programs to bounce back strong this next season cal's the man he's been great to me i got nothing but good things to say about john calipari
0: rex chapman joining us me too rex and the thing is you're like the rare guy you're also really good with rick patino quickly you had him on the rex chapman show with josh hopkins go back when did you first meet patino and what do you remember about that
2: uh rick and i i met rick i was about 16 i was at the five-star basketball camp he was coaching at providence but he was kind of working the camp doing stations and speaking and stuff and uh that's where i first met him and then uh, of course we were neighbors here in kentucky uh three or four doors down for about 10 years when he coached uh at the university of kentucky and i was playing an nba so we're good friends we play golf and he's he's one of my one of my real good buddies and uh Yeah, I had him on, but, you know, people have a certain way they want to feel about Rick. All I can say is life is hard. He's been through some stuff. Some of it self-inflicted, some of it not. He's one of the best basketball coaches that I've ever been around. Teachers, he's born to teach the game and say whatever you want about him. All of his players to a person absolutely love the man.
0: Rex Chapman joining us. Rex, really quickly, I used to love talking to you when you played. When you look at that era of basketball, guys like you, J.R. Reed, Derek Coleman, Kendall Gill, I can keep going. What were those days like, Rex?
2: Man, it was fun. You know, we were young. What's weird is me and J.R. and Kendall all got to play on the Hornets together. You know, we were McDonald's players together, and then we were Hornets players together, but we were so young. We were just so bad. We were getting beat up every night by veteran teams, but Man, Derek Coleman, that whole crew. I remember meeting up most of those guys for the first time at the McDonald's game. And here we are 35 years later. and I still call every one of those guys my friend.
0: My guy. He is a Kentucky legend. He is the king of Twitter. And he's got a brand new podcast. It's called Charges. He's working with Portal A. It's an award-winning content company. It is a great, great pod. Don't you forget he was the SEC Freshman of the Year. My man, RC. Rex, I love you. You know this. Great to get caught up. Great to hear your voice. And it's always good to talk to you, Rex. Thanks so much.
2: Much love, bro. I'll come back anytime, JR.
3: A different future starts with you. That's why GoDaddy does more than help you find a name. You can create, sell, and get found online. So any small business could be a driving force to create change or build an empire. We know old ideas aren't cutting it anymore. So we're calling for a new generation of thinking, your way of thinking. So whatever you have in mind that will help make a different future, find everything you need to get started at GoDaddy.com. Because the future isn't decided yet. It's up to us to make it happen. Start different at GoDaddy.com.
0: Friday, June 25th is the main event. As part of the run-up to the smack-off, I've already started with the player profiles. We do this most every single year. This is where you get reacquainted with and refreshed and reset with the type of game that it takes to be and run with the best of the best. These are the same people that you're going to hear in four weeks and a day. Benny and Wisco got the treatment on Tuesday. Vic and NoCal got it yesterday. And this guy is going to get it today.
4: Jim, if you'll indulge me for a brief moment. Jim, 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 Jim. Jim, 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 thank you for your time, Mr. Jim Rohn.
0: Those are not repeats at all. Those are all original. They stand on their own. That, of course, is the unmistakable and utterly iconic voice of one Jeff from Richmond, the 2002 Smack Off champ, the legend who once took eight years off from the Smack Off, And then reappeared out of nowhere back in 2020 with an extremely respectable and surprising fourth place finish, proving he still has the game to compete with the modern day jungle. Everything about Jeff from Richmond is memorable, starting with the fact that he is the only clone who somehow uses from instead of in between his name and location. He's not Jeff in Richmond. He is Jeff from Richmond. I'm not sure exactly how or why that happened, but it's one of very many things that have set him apart that I don't necessarily understand. That and his voice, his delivery, his takes, whether you love them or hate them, the fact that he runs a playbook straight out of Pro Wrestling, Promo 101. It's awesome and it works. And he's more polarizing now than ever before. One of the most polarizing callers ever on this program. I mean, there is no in-between with this guy, right? You either love him or you hate his guts. Nothing in between. And whenever he calls, no one comes close to getting the kind of reaction that he gets. Facts. That doesn't mean he's the best of all time. Doesn't mean that he's the best even of his time. It just means that nobody moves the needle like this guy does. And yes, it's a trademark for him to use my name hundreds of times in a single phone call like you just heard. But he might be better known for mangling the handle of my second-born son.
4: War Jake and Rogan, uh, Rogan Rome helping revive the rat family.
0: War... Jake, like the dude is usually so declarative, so emphatic, so aggressive, so confident. War, Jake and Rogan Loam. War, Jake and Rogan,
4: Rogan Loam helping revive the rat family. Rogan
0: Loam. Jake was not trying to revive the rat family, only Rogan Loam. Rogan, Such a great moment.
4: Uh, Rogan Lo- Rome helping revive That the will live
0: man. on forever. And so will Jeff from Richmond's legacy because he added to it last year with that comeback call. They'll put him inside the top five. Check out Jeff from Richmond knocking off the rust and getting nice in the 2020 version of the main event, Smack Off number 26. Jim,
4: it's been a tradition of mine now for several years to roll a couple fatties In celebration of the smack-off, Jim, so let me roll Big Daddy Beaks and Matt from L.A. out of the way, Jim. Jim, how tired and played is the British royal family, Jim? Jim, the real story's Prince Charles. Here's a guy, Jim, who's heir to the throne, Jim, heir to the throne. He can have any woman in the world that he wants, and yet he's rolling, Jim, with the Rottweiler Camilla Parker Bowles. Camilla Parker Bowles looks like she should be chained to a rusty car axle in Michael Vick's backyard. Rick from Buffalo. Little Richard from Buffalo. Let me be clear here, Jim. There's no bad blood between that cheap imitation, Rick from Buffalo, little tiny Richard from Buffalo, and the dirtiest player in the game, Jeff from Richmond. Why should I be concerned with the Peter Dinklage of the jungle clones? Rick is so small. He buys his suits from the Build-A-Bear workshop. Trevor Price weighed in on Rick from Buffalo, and he said, and I quote, Rick from Buffalo will have a long, successful run in the jungle. Jim, on a lighter note, the CBS suits bumping around Jim in their horn-rimmed glasses, in their microfiber polyester attire. Jim, the suits have actually formed a committee to explore the possibility of bringing back the rat family. Jim VP of operations Tyler Hale ran the meeting. It sounded something like this. Wow, Jim, that rat family certainly very interesting. Uh, Zane Smith, uh, Monica Selish, Coach K sipping from the upside down water bottle and oh my Jim, Matt from LA holding a wedge of cheese in his little rat hands.
0: Like you forget how good that call was until you hear that call back. Last year, we had the closest podium finish ever between Lef, Brad, and Benny, and there was Jeff just a notch below. Here's what people love about Jeff. All of those calls sound eerily similar, don't they? Here's what people hate about Jeff. All of those calls sound eerily similar, don't they? So either you just love and embrace the nostalgia and the brand, or you hate the fact that you seem to think you know the lines before he can even deliver them. So, you just heard from Jeff from Richmond in 2020. Let us now go back two decades to 2002, when he won the event. And you see what a call eighteen years ago from this guy sounded like. Wait, you just heard a call from last year. Compare last year's call to this call, the call that won it all eighteen years ago, and see how very different these two calls sound.
4: Tim, thanks for the vine and thanks for the time and clones this is a smack off. This event, clones, is the alpha, the omega, the beginning, and the end when it comes to sports talk radios. And quite frankly, clones,
0: that is exactly why
4: 99.9% of you slackered, morally bankrupt, liquor swilling, egg swallowing, skank chasing, hippie lettuce smoking clones are on the outside looking in. Silk. Brrr scavenging for cans or washing the dish in his cardboard box. John from Seatown town having lunch with the monk. Lunch. With the monk, Stevie Carbone prancing around in his fuchsia banana hammock. Jim, the jungle really sizzles when the clones step up huge on the phone and say something profound or something significant. For example, remember Jim when the artist, formerly known as Trapper argh, Flapper, pulled his unshaven grill out of a porn rag and made that high-impact call. You remember the call, Jim, and I'm paraphrasing. It went something like this. Mumble, mumble, babble, babble, blah, 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 blah. John Walker Lind, Henry David Thoreau, Ariel Sharon. Mumble, mumble, babble, babble. Steel wheels keep a-turnin'. Proud Mary keep on a-burnin'. Thirty pieces of silver, tramps like us babe. You can never count on the clones to have a positive impact on the bottom line because Bill from Syracuse with his, what is going on, proves, Jim, that even in the year 2002, the clones continue to mess the bed.
0: 2002. That call was made in 2002. In other words, not much has changed at all except for the names of the clones that this guy is going in on. And again, either you love that, you soak that up, or it makes you want to fight the guy. I love the guy. I love it. I love the guy. He is authentically himself. And the best part is, even though Twitter will pop off with 10,000 hate tweets, after a Jeff from Richmond call, Jeff will then just show up like this. The
4: outpouring of love and affection and respect, Jim, from the biggest gaggle of misfits In the history of Sports Talk Radio, Jim, it's been overwhelming. Not one negative comment.
0: My man's Teflon. The more you hate him, the more he loves himself. The more you hate him, the more he loves himself. And I couldn't respect it any more than I do. It's incredible. I legitimately have no idea if this guy's going to show up in 29 days. After all, he disappeared for like a decade. And then comes out of the woodwork and shows up the way he did last year. I have no idea. I haven't heard from him. I haven't gotten any kind of smoke signals from him. I do not know if he'll be here in 29 days. I just really, really hope he is. The
4: dirtiest player in the game has come back. To the Jim Rome Show. Why is Jeff from Richmond so serious about becoming Jim the two-time, two-time, two-time smack-off champion? Because that's how I roll my exclusive private driveway. I was looking out, Jim, at my six luxury sleds, sparkling clean... Freshly polished and perfectly aligned. I know the two words that come to mind immediately, Jim, when you think of Jeff from Richmond are humble and modest. (laughs) Or Matt from L.A. Struggling to be relevant in this here jungle. Here's the new protocol in my jungle, Matt, and that is this. When my name goes up, Matt, your mouth goes shut. Jeff from Richmond has established himself as the only legitimate sports radio god. King Kong ain't got nothing on me. This is my yard. This is my house. And clones, trust me, I'm not coming to take part. I'm coming to take over. And until next time, Jim. Good night now! now.
0: There is always going to be a spot for a champ. Jeff from Richmond is a champ. My man. Big day, big stage. The thing that you're built for, Jeff, the 25th of June, Jeffrey, be here. Ever think things like this, like I'm not going very far, or I'm in a rush, or it's too uncomfortable, or sometimes I just forget. Listen, do not kid yourself. There is no such thing as a good excuse for not buckling up. If you've used any of these excuses or any others, you're putting yourself at risk of injury or death. In 2019, nearly 10,000 people were unbuckled when they were killed in crashes. That's 43% of people killed in motor vehicle crashes that were not wearing seatbelts. So no matter what kind of a car you drive, wearing your seatbelt is the best defense in a crash. Even when you sit in the back seat, you still have to buckle up. The same goes for when you ride in taxis or you use ride-sharing services too. Law enforcement is on the lookout and writing tickets, so why would you take that risk? seatbelts save lives do the smart thing buckle up every single trip day or night click it or take it paid for by NHTSA he is Will Brenson. what's going on Will how are you Jim, what's going on, man? hope you're doing well. I am doing great. and It's good to hear your voice. Will, really quickly, before we get to your beat, the NFL, I know you follow golf really closely. I've got to get your reaction. What did you think the first time you saw that Brooks Kepka Bryson DeChambeau video, and how many times have you watched it since? I mean,
5: I probably watched that first video 75 or 80 times in the first 30 minutes right? of it coming out. And, I, I, Jim, I was at the point where I was trying to find a way – Using, like, you know, I, I didn't get there because I'm too old and I'm not good enough with technology, but I was trying to find a way to isolate the audio to see if Bryson did, in fact, whisper, You got to line up your putt, Brooksy, on the way out. The, the layers to this, this, this beef between these two guys and the spillover into the match 3.0 or whatever it is, Phil Mickelson getting involved, Tom Brady roasting Bryson with Twitter memes. And this is, this is ever, this is maybe the second, the best thing to happen to golf since Tiger
0: Woods. Will Brinson, my guest, I was going to ask you about the dynamic, but you laid that out pretty well. So where do you come out? Are you Team Brooks or Team Bryson?
5: Oh, I'm Team Brooks all the way. I can't... I I I don't really like Bryson at all. I I respect that he's changed the game the way that he has. and, And, you know, he found sort of a weird, hulky money ball beefcake kind of way to, to beat it. And he well, and he sorry. went and found that, you know, that inside track and it it's worked for him and he won that US Open. But Brooks to me, you know, as much as his disdain for the the traditions of golf might might rankle some, I'm a big Brooks guy. He also won me a bunch of money at the Waste Management Open. So
0: I'm I'm Team Brooks for life. Same, I love team I love Brooks. I'm definitely Team Brooks. So Same. what do you think really quickly? What do you think is going to happen at the Ryder Cup when the two of these guys have to be in the same room and pretty frequently? How do you think that's going to go?
5: Well, first of all, Jim, there's some buzz that they might pair because you could, if you if you do, a, you know, they do the trios for the first two rounds of the U.S. Open, you can you can just throw Gary Woodland in the mix, and then all of a sudden you have the last three Open champs: Brooks, Bryson, and Gary Woodland. And, and poor Gary Woodland—that's that's not a fun 18 for him. But yeah, I mean, this is. This is gonna be a heated rivalry that 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 explodes at some point. And if you're if you're running the Ryder Cup, you got to be thinking, all right, would it maybe be in our best interest to to not have these guys together, or can they can they pony up and, and play well? I, I will say, there's at least a three percent part of me that thinks it could be uh, a a conspiracy on Brooks and Bryson's part to win that $8 million prize for most talked-about athlete that they're doing, the the player Mm. legacy fund or whatever
0: it is. Will Brinson showing some range. Good job, Will. Appreciate it. All right, so over the past few days, the Julio Jones trade rumors hit a new level. It seems fairly amicable. So what do you think the Falcons could get for him at this point?
5: The buzz is that... They could get a first-round pick, and I think that's asking a little too much, Jim. Second-round pick and maybe a conditional third or you know, some sort of combination like that seems like a more accurate package for the Falcons to get. I, I would say, first of all, I don't understand why they would want to do this, given that they doubled down on Matt Ryan by renegotiating his contract and then tripled down on trying to win now by drafting Kyle Pitts. It makes me believe that, you know, and we've seen this really with that the thing with Undisputed come out, where where Julio said, "I'm out of there, man." It, it does feel like this is not so much Falcons looking for salary cap space as Julio Jones saying, "I'm done here. I want to win. You know, I don't I don't want to be in Atlanta any longer." And because they will get that salary cap relief, you know, they're going to be willing to you know make it work for him. I would think that some team, whether it's the Packers, Forty ers Titans, uh, Patriots, certainly Julio has interest there. He and Cam are, are very close friends. That one of those teams that believes it can win big this year will be willing to take a gamble and, and throw a second, maybe a third in with it, um, or you know, a, a, a conditional third, you know, one that you got for you know later in the round something like that to get Julio, it does feel like it's going to happen. I would guess that it happens later rather than sooner, but but certainly could be wrong if there are enough offers out
0: there. Will Brinson joining us. All right, Will, so if and when it happens, you, like me, like to keep an eye on what Vegas thinks of things like this. So how much does Julio, for instance, move the needle when it comes to odds? For example, if he goes to a team, how many wins could that be worth in the eyes of the betting markets? What does that look like?
5: That's a great question, Jim. I would say the two good examples of this would be, well, actually, I think the best example of this would be the Colts and Titans in the AFC South. So if you look at them, they are basically pretty close to a coin flip in terms of what who Vegas thinks will win. Right now, Indianapolis is the favorite. Now, whether or not a 32-year-old wide receiver, albeit one who's been one of the best wide receivers in football and is a future Hall of Famer, um, if, if he goes to the Titans, for instance, and by the way, their depth chart behind AJ Brown is Josh Reynolds and dudes you haven't heard of. If he goes to the Titans and they, they could use him, I think that Vegas would flip the Titans to be the favorite, and I think you would see Vegas adjust Atlanta's win total maybe down a half a half a game. You know, it's it's really hard to quantify how much a guy like Julio is worth to a win total, and I think. That the average fan would think, oh, he's probably worth two or three wins. No, I mean, it's, it's not much, really, these guys, just because of how football works and because of all the, you know, the, the replacement, of all the replacement level, how many games will he play, et cetera. I would guess that it's probably worth, but, but I think in that case where the divisions are close, San Francisco is another example. If they land Julio, I would expect them to potentially leapfrog the Rams as the favorite in that division. Maybe not so much even because Vegas believes that to be true, but because Julio is such a big name that it could spur betting action on you know, the various sides there. People would want to take San Francisco. And so the books would be looking to even things out there, if that explanation makes sense.
0: Will Brinson joining us. It does make sense. Well, I could talk to you about Julio and where he might end up for another hour or so, but I just want to jump around to a couple of other quick things. What about the NFC South? What are you expecting to see, for instance, from Sam Darnold in Carolina now that he's away from Adam Gase, the Jets' offensive line, and then everything else that comes along with the Jets? How do you think he'll do there, and do you think that he's definitely an upgrade over Teddy Bridgewater?
5: He is definitely an upgrade over Teddy Bridgewater in terms of ceiling. Maybe not an upgrade in terms of floor, but if, if I'm an NFL team, I want to upgrade my ceiling and I'm not quite as worried about my floor and, and the Panthers really, Jim, you know, they thought they'd sort of found a value in Teddy Bridgewater and they, they were just sick of him by the end of the year. They couldn't run that no huddle offense. The two minute drill was just lethargic and they were ready to move on. So this worked out for all parties. I think Darnold will be good. You know, I still buy into the fact that this was a top end prospect and when you look at what the Jets put around him, I mean, it just wasn't going to work for anyone. You know, if you swap Sam Darnold and Josh Allen, I think you're pretty much swapping, you know, and I think Josh Allen's a better pro, you know, now in hindsight, a better prospect and certainly a better quarterback, but I think it's a lot closer than people would think. So to me, given there's a lot of motivation for this Carolina coaching staff to be right on Sam Darnold, too, especially week one against his old team. I think they'll have things schemed up to make life easier for him. He's got way better weapons than he's ever had. He's got a, a much better offensive line than he had with the Jets. And as you point out, he doesn't have Adam Gase. The Gase bounce is real. Every NFL player – skill position guy, quarterback, whatever it is, who plays under Adam Gase and stinks and doesn't live up to the hype, immediately bounces back and has success after he leaves, whether it's Ryan Tannehill, Kenyon Drake, Devontae Adams. I mean, the list is lengthy. So I am buying the Sam Darnold bounce back here.
0: The Gase bounce. Will Brinson joining us. All right, Will, what about the Saints? What is a reasonable expectation for the Saints in their first season without Drew Brees?
5: The win total is nine and a half, and it's juiced to the under, which is sort of makes it a no bet for me, Jim, because I would like to take the under. I think there are nine, nine wins or less team, but I really don't like betting against Sean Payton. Uh, you know, he went 5-0 with Teddy B two, two seasons ago, and he has been more than capable of figuring out how to win football games without his starting quarterback at times. Drew Brees, not peak Drew Brees the last couple of years. I it is a pretty big leap of faith to suggest that Jameis Winston will morph into an efficient not like non turnover prone quarterback. That sounds insane. I don't think they'll quite get there, but I anticipate that he'll make life easy for Jameis. Jameis has had a year to study, and I would bet that we see somewhere between sixty forty seventy thirty. Jameis Taysom Hill. I guess end up being Taysom Hill as a starter for all I know, um, but I'm not ready to buy the Saints just quite yet because of that quarterback situation. If we knew it was going to be stable, if we knew it was going to be efficient, then I would be in on the Saints because people are sort of selling on them and everything else on that roster
0: looks pretty good. So you and I are talking gambling. It's actually a blast to do so. On the Pick 6 podcast, you've been breaking down each division. Now the free agency and the draft are over, Will. The Rams are the favorites to win the NFC West, according to Vegas. Obviously, that is a nasty, nasty division. How do you like the Rams as the favorites?
5: I, I love the Rams this year. I'm a, But I'm a Matthew Stafford honk, Jim. I mean, I to me... Matthew Stafford, if you put him in a different situation, it's sort of like Sam Darnold, right, or, except for longer, you know, people expect him to just drag the Lions, a team that's been – Mediocre at best for like decades. He just dragged them to a a bunch of playoff wins despite people bungling everything around him and, you know, to the point where you're chasing Calvin Johnson into retirement and, and, you know, myriad other problems surrounding that franchise. I think Matthew Stafford is being undervalued, maybe a little bit overvalued now. He's 14 to 1 to be the MVP, but. I think the Rams are going to be great. The, the only hesitation for me on the Rams and winning that division and maybe, maybe going further and winning the Super Bowl is the 49ers because I think their offseason, bringing back Trent Williams, you add Alex Mack, so that offensive line is well-versed in Kyle Shanahan's offense. And now you don't have you – know, you have Trey Lance who is maybe starting week one, but I think more likely uh, you know, sort of a break glass in case of emergency if Jimmy G stinks. Or gets hurt, and you could put Trey Lance in there. I think he plays, you know, by midseason anyway. Um, but they have this sort of safety net at quarterback that they haven't had the last few years. And if they upgrade, you know, maybe they add Julio Jones. Who knows? I, I, the only hesitation I have on the Rams is that I find myself just being really drawn to how good the 49ers look.
0: In fact, really quickly, Will, then what's your thought about that? Like, is the key to San Francisco' season about making sure somehow that Jimmy Garoppolo stays healthy, or is it trying to get Trey Lance ready? What do you think Kyle Shanahan's thinking?
5: So, remember when they traded for Jimmy G midseason from the Patriots? He sat for five games right. before they brought him into play. They Kyle Shanahan wants to give his quarterbacks – time to learn he doesn't want to throw them out there and and have them look bad and so when people jimmy g could still be traded you know somebody offers him a first it wouldn't be shocking but i think they want to keep both guys because it eases the pressure on trey lance and it gives them sort of a a very similar situation to the 2017 chiefs hey you know jimmy Garoppolo is alex smith dude like you've got everything's in front of you jimmy you want to you want to set yourself up to be a highly coveted trade item or a you know potentially even a highly coveted free agent, depending on how this whole thing plays out, go out and play your tail off, win games, force our hand to keep Trey Lance on the bench, get us out to a, a great record to start, be executing the offense at a really high level, and it's a win-win for everybody involved. I think that's what they want, but they know that if Jimmy does, isn't able to do that or can't stay healthy – he can at least get them a quarter of the season in before they have to bring Trey Lance in as the, as the potential backup
0: starter. Right. He is a CBS sports senior writer. He is a friend of the program. He is host of the pick six podcast. He is Will Brinson. Will great job, man. Great to have you back. Thank you so much. Always fun, Jim. It is the perfect season for a powerful business upgrade with Dell Technologies' Summer Sale Event. Save up to 45% on secure PCs built for business with Windows 10 Pro. You'll also find great savings on Dell servers, monitors, docks, and other accessories to help boost productivity, plus enjoy free shipping on everything. Do more with modern devices and Windows 10 Pro. Call 877-ASK-DELL for a Dell Technologies advisor who can help you find the right tech. That's 877-ASK-DELL for business specials during Yo, summer sale event. Let's go to Milwaukee. Tyler. Tyler, what's going on?
1: Jim, I uh, wanted to hit on last night's games real quick. So, not only was Trey is balding trending on Twitter, but it was the freaking chant at Madison Square Garden every time the dude touched rock. I mean, that's the power of your show, Jim, but unfortunately, you will never know what Allie McBeal had to do with it. Anyways, uh, love Westbrook getting a tub of popcorn dumped on him. I mean, for the most part, I thought he handled it pretty well, but can you imagine if that happened to LeBron, Jim? He'd be squirming around, gasping for air like he's stuck in a 20-foot ball pit filled with anacondas or like he's buried under rubble of a collapsed building from a 9.0 earthquake, sticking his hands to the surface. We got a hand. He's here. Ten dudes with helmets rappelling down to rescue him. But, you know, I think my favorite part of last night had to be the court the Utah Jazz rolled out. All yellow and red. I mean, I couldn't tell if I was watching an NBA playoff game or Apollo 27's first successful landing on the surface of the sun. I mean, seriously, give me I'm watching on TV, lathering up with SBS 90 so I don't get a sunburn, throwing on my polarized shades so my freaking eyeballs don't explode. I mean, memo to the Utah Jazz. Ketchup and mustard belong on hot dogs. And by God, Jim. jerseys these teams are wearing for the playoffs look i was okay with the heat wearing all yellow but i draw the line when i see the 76ers rock a hologram of ben franklin brutally attacking the liberty bell i mean seriously two nights ago the suns wore jerseys that just said valley on them valley who are they playing bayside high with screech powers crossing up bulls ac slater cleaning the boards i mean jimmy far be it from me to give fashion advice But is there some sort of NBA Plus premium subscription that I can pay for so I don't have to see the advertisements on every jerseys? I mean, I never thought to myself, gosh, I should really get a Motorola telephone because Giannis just hit a step back. But although I don't need it, I would maybe start a total hair regrowth program if I saw Trey Young sporting a Bosley ad on one of his bald spots. So that's about it for me, Jim. Have a good weekend, bud.
0: I want to see how far he could go, Tyler. Go ahead, Alvin. Rock him. Why not? On a day like this. That dude's weird. He's weird. He's got some weird takes and he actually made it better and thank God he at least knows the show and didn't ask me for something for free. Let's quickly go to Clearwater. Man what a wacky segment this has been. William in Clearwater. It's good to have you on the show William. How are you?
6: Hey great. How are you?
0: I'm great. Great. What's up? I was
5: going to
3: go ahead and I was going to try to see if I could uh, reach out to Jim about the golden,
5: uh,
1: sports, yeah, golden nuggets the sport event uh, events that you guys have going on.
0: Okay, so you want go? You're ready for the golden nugget? Yeah. For what? Which game?
5: Um, I believe it would be the one coming up uh, on Saturday.
0: Hmm. Okay, you got it, William. You got it. Stay, stay on the hold. Stay on hold, William, so you can claim okay. your golden nugget. From the producer. My man is really confused. All right. Wow. I'm not giving away golden nuggets. This is not the gold rush. I'm not giving away golden nuggets to games. I think my man thinks that we're giving away tickets to games. Like, he has the phrase that pays. Or, he heard the keyword in hour number one. Or he was the 95th caller for the Laker tickets or the Clipper tickets or the Knicks tickets. I'm not giving away tickets to games. I'm not giving away golden nuggets. I'm giving away golden tickets. A golden ticket for the smack-off. Now the good news is, what that tells me is we are getting new listeners. We are getting new viewers. My man has no idea what the hell is going on. Not even his fault. I've said it myself a million times. If you just kind of drop out of the sky and you drop in on this program without any context whatsoever, you'd have no idea what's going on. My man just tried to claim a golden nugget. A golden nugget for what? I asked him, like, for what game? Uh, The one on Saturday? Oh, that's right. I'm giving away tickets to the game on Saturday. Not tickets, but nuggets. Man, that was some kind of segment. I mean, I would say that the hack-off broke out, but even that wouldn't do it justice. JP and Riverside, dude. <laughs> I mean, it started off all right with that impersonation of Jeff and Southfield, and then that thing went Southfield fast. hey When we come back, who the hell knows, right? That's what I love about this show. This is why I show up every single day, because you don't know. You don't know what's going to happen. Like, I think I know what's going to happen, but even I don't know what's going to happen. I didn't see somebody calling up to claim their golden nugget for the game on Saturday. Phil in Fresno. It's good to have you. Phil, how are you? I'm great. Thank you. Good. What's up?
2: Well, here I am talking to Jim Rome. Didn't even think you were going to answer the phone. I thought I was going to be talking to your secretary or something, but wow, what an astonishment.
0: It's incredible, right? So here we are. here the bleep we are. So now that you're talking to me, what do you want to talk about?
2: Well, I want to talk about the Lakers. I want to talk about their chances. I want to go see them.
0: Oh, so you want to go see them. Oh, wait a minute. You think I've got tickets to the Lakers and that you won. Is that why you're calling? Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, <laughs> sir. No. Like wow.
1: Call. I don't like that call.
0: Y'all think I I'm don't really giving away far. tickets to games. Like, that was a real thing, too. Jeremy in Green Bay. Jeremy, what's up?
2: Yo, Jim. Thanks for the
3: vine. Hey, real quick. RIP to my man, Jake in Buffalo. Look at it this way, Jake. Glass half full. You're still the second best caller from Buffalo. Of course, the glass-half-empty outlook is you're barely better than the third-best caller, Margo. Jim, I want to hit on two other points today. It got back to me that crying Chris and Wisco is obsessing about Green Bay again. Chris, I know Hawk loves when you call, but only because he can slip out of the studio for five minutes and fire up a doobie. Chris, your scripts need an intermission so that the listeners can go stretch their legs and wake up. And if you have a problem with Rogers skipping practice to live his best life in Hawaii, that's a you problem, Chris, not a Green Bay problem. Who doesn't love getting dragged onto double date vacations with other couples? My man Rogers is out there thriving, having those awkward dinner conversations with his new Hollywood friends like, hey, Miles Teller, right? I love your movies, bro. Like that one with those other guys in it that nobody's ever heard of. The name escapes me, but man, you were great in it. And lastly, Jim, epic Jeff Enrichment profile. I've always been a fan of his. In fact, shout out to you, Jeff, for having a rocket wife who hasn't left you yet. Jim, it's amazing what a prenup and a seven-figure life insurance plan can do for a marriage. Jim, as much as I want to see Jeff show up to the smack-off, I'm afraid he has a scheduling conflict. The 25th of June just happens to be the Nathan's hot dog eating competition. And Jim, is there anything more American than your boy in Richmond repping the great Commonwealth by pulling up in his luxury sled with a ramp that pops out the side so he can roll out in a rascal in a custom fit 4XL Tommy Bahama and slam 37 hot dogs down his pie hole. Jim, Jeff, Aloha means goodbye, as in it's time for you to go away now.
0: Jeremy, welcome to the bleeping smack I've
3: got off. I got a golden ticket.
0: You did it, dude. Kevin Euclid joins me. Kevin, it's been a moment or two. How are things, Kevin? Great to have you on. How are things?
6: Uh things are going well. Just uh, getting back uh, to a little bit of normalcy here in Los Gatos, California. and excited.
0: excited. Yeah, I love the fact that you're in California. Let me ask you this. You have never been somebody who sought out the spotlight and reveled in getting attention. That was not your deal. So what is life like for you after your baseball career?
6: Uh, life is good. Uh, I'm, I'm very lucky and blessed to have three amazing kids. My daughter just finished up her freshman year. Uh, I have an 8-year-old that has a Little League uh, championship game today. Uh, that I'm managing so uh, that's been a lot of fun and I have a six-year-old that just finishes little league season and uh, just enjoying them and just trying to be a big part of their lives and being there uh, as much as I can which wouldn't happen if I was involved in baseball you just uh, you're always away and you can't do things so I'm just very blessed to be working with all my kids be around my wife and uh just trying to grow these businesses.
0: Good for you. I'm going to talk to you about businesses in a minute, for sure. Kevin is joining us. Let me ask you really quickly about baseball. You said recently that you miss walk-offs because of the juice and the excitement. Like, for those of us who have never been in that position, what's it like? What's it feel like to walk it off?
6: Oh, you know, people ask me what you miss most about the game, and I think that is, hands down, the best part of playing sports, uh, especially baseball. Uh, The walk-off, are are just so much fun the nervousness of you know just trying to get that that winning run home and and innings prior not getting it done and then next thing you know you get that walk-off win you're celebrating with your teammates and and just uh and and every team has a different celebration which is fun but yeah i, I mean i remember that yankees walk-off uh, and many other walk-offs that my teammates uh were a part of and and uh yeah, you you you'll never be able to get that adrenaline rush back. So uh, you gotta you gotta live them uh, live them up as best you can while you're playing.
0: Kevin Euclid is joining us. Kevin, you mentioned your teammates. One of your teammates, one of my favorite guys ever, is Pedro Martinez. And there's this great, great story involving you and Pedro from your rookie season. You had recently been called up, and you were playing in Colorado. For those who do not know, what happened then? What's that story?
6: Yeah. So. Uh, you know, playing with a guy like Pedro Martinez, uh, and it being a young player, you're in awe. And you're also thankful that he pitches on your team. Uh, so right. you don't have to face him. Uh, but yeah, I was, uh, yeah, it was, it was early on in my, in my career. We we're in Colorado and I literally had one of the worst games I could possibly have. I think I might have hit into like three double plays, maybe left 10 runners on base. And it was just a brutal offensive, uh, game on my part. and <laughs> so after the game, you have the Boston media that swarms your locker, and they swarm everyone's locker. And so all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, God, i got to answer these questions. I don't want to answer these. And they, sw- and they get ready to swarm in front of my locker, and all of a sudden, you hear- I hear this voice say, hey, hey. And all of a sudden, the media members all turn around and look, and it's Pedro, and he's like, you don't talk to the rookie. You come talk to me. And all of a sudden, all the reporters just like, it was like Moses parting the Red Sea. And all of a sudden, everyone just leaves my locker. And I'll never forget that. Like, I was like, oh my God, thank you, Pedro. Like, that was the worst game of my life. You saved me. And literally the next day, first at bat, I hit a home run (laughs) and got the monkey off the back.
0: Kevin, that is such an amazing story. I love that story. Like, what does that say about Pedro that he would do that for a rookie?
6: Yeah, he was that kind of guy. He he was great to all the young players. He he was he was just he was one of those special players you come across. I mean, I was very lucky to play with a lot of special players, but his uh his intuition, his his knowledge of the game, his understanding of little moments like that where he could be a veteran and really help out the mental part of the game, and that's something I always talk about. The mental side of of sports is far greater than anyone can imagine until you get to that level. Everyone's on a pretty level playing field. Some some are better athletes than others, but the mental side of the game, he was one of the best at that.
0: Kevin Euclid is joining us really quickly. Kevin, before we talk business, what about the media? Speaking of the media, you are now part of the media. You've been doing some work this season as part of the Red Sox TV coverage. What's that been like for you?
6: Yeah, uh, it's kind of funny. I never thought I'd be in that position. I never really uh, dreamed of... Being an analyst, but uh, it came to my attention and I said, "You know what i 'm going to give this a shot uh, and I've loved it. Uh, I, I do a weekly show with Tom Karen and uh, various other uh, former Red Sox players, and you know just just give my insight and, and input into things that I remember when I played or things I 'm seeing now currently within the game and it's a lot of fun I, I, I just try to have a good time, I just be myself and try to give as much knowledge to the fans as possible.
0: Hmm. So Kevin, talk business. When you retired, you spent some time as a consultant, but you and your brother Scott also opened up Loma Brewing Company. What was it like to go through the pandemic as the owner of a brewing company when people were not able to come in and have a beer?
6: Well, this this past year has been just a, an absolute struggle. I mean, Santa Clara County where we're in has been probably one of the hardest counties uh, with COVID restrictions. And I mean, looking back, it, it was such a struggle, um, just all the legal, uh, you know, just all the things that were going on with how you could operate, what you could do, what you couldn't do, um, open up for outdoor dining, close down outdoor dining. It it was just a mess. Um, you know, it was, it was very hard for restaurateurs, but I looked at it too as such a great learning experience. You know, I, I always say, When you're a professional athlete, you're catered to, you're babied, you're making a ton of money. Uh, The life is so much easier. It's not easy in a sense of what you put your body through and just the daily regimen. But, you know, when you get into being a small business owner, you really understand what life really is, uh, what work really is. And, um, you know, this pandemic put me to a whole nother level of um, trying to operate and run a business that, uh, you know, is handcuffed in a lot of ways. Uh, but I'm very thankful. I got a great group of people that have helped us through this pandemic. They have stuck with us and they've worked so hard. So all the hard work and all the all the success that um, to just get to this and being open still to this day goes to my employees.
0: Now we're talking. This is what we're talking about. You're right. Like to own a small business, to be an entrepreneur, to live that life. Man, that's where it's at. That's where the real battle is. And then you decide to go into the coffee business in Portland, Oregon. Listen, coffee is going to be competitive no matter when or where you try it because it is coffee. However, coffee in Portland is jumping in at the deep end. What gave you the confidence that that was something that could succeed despite the competition in Portland?
6: Yeah, well, I think uh, you know, as as a professional athlete, you kind of think you can compete and do a lot of things, and I kind of and and we've heard, all heard stories of uh you know athletes that th- jumped into things and thought, oh well, you know, I can do this, and I I, <laughs> I definitely have that mindset of competition and not being afraid of it, but I also understand you have to be smart. Uh, what you know, I, I got in this business, with Brandon Smythe, uh, a roaster, a green buyer. And very talented. He this guy produces amazing coffees, blends it well, does all of his research. You know, has been down to farms in Central America and various other places. But he's got he's got a lot of knowledge into buying green, roasting it the right way, and just producing this really good fresh coffee. And I just took a chance on him, and I said, "Hey, you know what? You're really good at this. I have this other side that." I'm working on being an entrepreneur. I'm learning from a lot of people. I got a lot of people in my corner that, you know, help mentor me every day. And so I said, you know, he lives in Portland. So I was like, I'm going to make this easy. I'm going to make it closer to your house rather than you trying to move and do all these things with your family. But start it there. And the great thing about coffee is you can move it anywhere. Um, the cool thing is you roast the beans. takes 15 minutes. But you can't really use them for three, three days. Um, you have to wait. So, you know, if we roast them fresh, we ship them. By the time they get to anywhere they need to go, they're ready to be made. So uh, we're, we're really excited about the, the coffee company and trying to compete up there in Portland and hopefully grow into other you know, cities uh, across the country.
0: So, Kevin, really quickly, like coffee, man, I love, I love coffee. People of coffee are obsessed with coffee, you know, the process <laughs> and what goes along with it. You know, to you, is it like a commodity or a widget or do you have that connection and that history and that experience with coffee?
6: Yeah, I've, uh, I've come to understand, uh, you know, the market a little bit, how it fluctuates to uh, the shipping, the green buying. Uh, but, yeah, people love their coffee. And it's funny. Everyone loves so many different styles. Some people like the dark, medium, light. We tend to be on the medium and light as third-wave artisan in coffee. Uh, and I've never even tasted coffee like the, the coffee that uh, Brandon has uh, roasted for Loma. It's, uh, we have this anaerobic process of this Ethiopian uh, Shantani Village that is absolutely amazing. It won an award at the Good Food Awards in San Francisco, which I'm super proud of Brandon for doing. But it's this, the the flavor profiles of the, what these what these farmers do too. They're, the farmers are are the biggest part of making the high rated coffee, and then it's the process in which you do it. I use the Chemex every morning. I'm I'm, wet, I'm weighing out my beans, and I'm just super thankful that people have put me in the right place to understand the coffee and make my morning that much better
0: yeah you're not messing around so finally if we started the conversation by talking about what you miss most and you talked about what it was like and the juice involved with the walk-off as a professional athlete you know you try i understand that you have to reinvent yourself and find the next thing i also understand that it could never be the way it was it doesn't mean that it can't be better but it can never be the way it once was so where's the dopamine rush come from now for you
6: yeah, for me, uh, going forward, like, yeah, with these businesses, uh, you know, our mission statement is bringing communities together. Uh, you know, with, with the coffee, it's bringing people together in a, in a fun setting to enjoy a cup of coffee, talk about life, talk about business. And beer, it's the same thing. Uh, it's getting people away from their life, um, you know, at work or the stresses and just bringing, you know, just people from all walks of life together to sit down and have a, have a meal, have a beer. Um, and so for me, the more places I can grow these, you know, these companies and, and allow people to have high-quality craft beer and high-quality coffees, uh, that's, all I, that's all I care about. I love bringing people together, and, and if we can keep growing and building different businesses in different parts of the, the country, that's, even, that's, that's, not, that's the goal.
0: So one last thought. When somebody walks into the Loma Coffee Company, for instance, are they going to see a bunch of your memorabilia on the walls? <laughs>
6: that's the number one rule. The number one rule of all my businesses you won't see my memorabilia anywhere. I want it to be about my employees. I want it to be about the people inside. Uh, it's okay if people know it's my business, but I know that my businesses don't thrive without my employees, and the brand is Loma and it's Loma stands for all the people within and uh, you know the guests, the patrons uh, all the workers, all the people that make it happen so I try to take the focus off of me and put it more onto uh, all the people that make uh, all the great things happen at Loma Brewing Company and Loma Coffee.
0: There you go. Ten-year MLB vet, two-time World Series champ, three-time All-Star, and now a small business owner. The brand is Loma. Kevin, great to get caught up. Really appreciate that conversation. Nice job, Kevin. Thank you.
6: Thank you.
4: Good night.